Hello, everyone, and welcome to another exciting episode. This one's big. This is big. This year, we've had some great guests. Um, the last two guests have been extraordinarily uh, empowered women. Dipna Bohop from I Love Real Estate. Then we had Lauren Verona. And then our next guest today um, is very much empowered as well, Lexi Crouch. Lexi's a uh, nutritionist. Um, she's also an eating disorder practitioner. And we're going to go right into her story. She's a yoga activist. Um, and uh, if, you, if you're watching this on our YouTube and things like that, she's got this amazing smile and this awesome presence. So to meet um, Lexi and have a conversation, I'll forget, I was forgetting that we actually have to do an interview. I could have just chatted for ages. <laughs> that. Um, so um, um, I'm going to uh, get straight into it today. So Lexi, thank you very much for jumping on. Oh, thanks for having me, Trent. It's an absolute privilege to be here and similarly feel the same about that connection um, and chat beforehand. Yeah. Uh, well, um, Kath, who you've been communicating with, Kath, is, she um, runs our media agency. She said, you have to talk to this human. Um, so she sent me through some articles, some of the media stuff. I'm like, yes, I have to talk to this human. So what I'm going to do is, I'm, first question, tell us about your story. Go as deep as you want, wherever you like. We are the anxiety hour. We've talked about everything from childhood trauma to some of the big stuff. So you go where you need to go but and, and start where you need to start. So if you could tell us about your story, that would be amazing. Yeah, absolutely, Trent. And it's, I feel very much life is a journey and that's very much how um, I've got to where I am today. So I guess for me, um, life really hit me quite early. So I was around seven years old and um, I experienced some bullying on the playground about my weight and um, being oblivious at seven years old. Um, I really didn't know where I was in life at that point. You know, one minute you're being a child, um, living innocently. And I had then had this comment um, that had really pinpointed my weight and um, basically triggered me to go down the path of an eating disorder. So as I said, I was quite young at that time. And it was that pivotal moment where someone kind of mentioned something and you separate in life. You've got, um, I guess, someone could have gone down one path, but I went down the other. So this was um, a very fundamental um, comment that went on to change my life. So at that age, I started to pay a lot of attention to um, food, weight, shape, and really fitting into that society, thinking that this is how I had to be. And this was what my worth was dependent on, because essentially, um, it was that external kind of, um, I guess, comment that really navigated who I thought I was meant to be in the world, because I remember not feeling good from that bullying experience and thinking that I had to fit in there. So I went on and it was um, 14 years old, I was properly diagnosed with an eating disorder. So huge time in your adolescence, again, still navigating the world, trying to figure out who you are and trying to fit in, I guess, because that's that's what we thought we had to do. So I went on and um, with eating disorders, I feel like they're very misunderstood. So they are very complex illness. But generally, um, you're quite affected if um, you've got, I guess, that high functioning aspect. So I did go through my teenage years um, having a full-time eating disorder, but also doing well at school and, um, you know, managing life quite well, always had a smile on my face. And although I'd received bullying when I was younger, this didn't mean that I didn't have a good friendship network or anything there. And it was by the time I was 17 that things got really serious. So stress became a big um, trigger for me in regards to eating disorders. And um, 
I went on to have a lot of pressure on myself. So I thought I had to do well at high school. I thought I had to get the best OP and really places a lot of pressure where with the eating disorder, it kind of was that place that although everything was happening around me, this was somewhere that I guess some people see it as a control way, but I saw it as a, this is my own kind of world that I can navigate through and essentially made me feel good. It was a little bit like, I guess, if um, someone's down the path of drug addiction, eating disorders can be quite similar. You find this place that essentially makes you feel good and you keep pushing the boundaries by going there. And eventually that was what my normal was. So it wasn't too long before I ended up in hospital and never got to finish my schooling year. And I was devastated at this point. So I had done quite well at this point. I was prefect and really strived, I, I guess what I keep coming back to, of trying to fit into this mold of perfection that I thought this is how we had to be in the world. So here I was, um, everybody was at school, going to school formals, graduating, thinking about who they wanted to be um, for the rest of their life and where they wanted to take their careers. And I was faced with a really tough reality, um, knowing that I might not make it past this point. Um, life was really going in that direction. So between the ages of 17 and 25, I went into a full-blown hospital um, cycle. So had up to 25 admissions for anorexia during that time where I saw the medical wards, I saw ICU, inpatient, outpatient, and life was a revolving door. This was very much what I knew in a very, I guess, critical, fundamental time of life where you're navigating who you're meant to be. And I thought that my life was just summoned to this illness. And so it was a very interesting time, I guess, those 20s kind of growing up. And what I learned during that time, because eating disorders are very internal. So it was never that you weren't doing any work. You're always observing. You're always wanting to go a little bit further. There's nothing ineffective about eating disorders at all. It was just, you had a drive and you did not know where to place that. But it was around the age of 25 that what the eating disorder used to provide me when I was younger was no longer providing me. So it was not a linear process that I thought life had to be. In my head, as I said, I grew up thinking I had to be a certain way. So with the eating disorder, it was very, I thought A plus B must equal C. And that's where a lot of the calculations came in with calories, measuring your food, measuring your exercise, thinking that if you could order life, everything was going to go well. So it was 24, I was hit smack bang to realize that this was not life at all. So I like to think of it as a bit of a, quarter life, I wouldn't say crisis, but a quarter life wake me up where what I was doing was just not working for me. So I would try to navigate different angles and learning that th this wasn't for me. So eventually I got sick and tired of being sick and tired. It was no longer providing me with what I needed. And oh, you're right there. <laughs> because I want to let people absorb that for a second. I'm just taking down two pages of observations because um, I'm a keen observer uh, and I want to congratulate you firstly on your awareness. There's so much synchronicity here. So I just want to revisit. So you received some bullying at the age of eight, was it? Yeah, seven to eight years old. Um, we actually moved to a new school and I received some same stuff. I, uh, you, you, you received a comment which ultimately led you on a path. I've received some of those same comments. Um, we owned food vans, so they, my nickname was Pie Man, Pie Butt, Pie Ass, Pie Face, whatever you could use, like kids. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, 
which is fine. And then ultimately, you you stared death in the face from age 17 to 25 based on how you were living and you were so externally controlling. Is that what I'm hearing? Uh, very much so. And just what I thought life was and very much, um, Trent, in that path too, that you only know what you know at the time. So... <laughs> Very interesting. I, I love it. There's, uh, it's, it's, it's like, it, obviously, it's a different story. I think um, when we teach our coaches and when we go down the emotional space, if you're angry about your life and you're angry about your weight and you're angry about your job and you're angry about your relationships, well, let's just get to the point of anger. Now, um, and also, too, I wrote a big thing here, which we tell people love. It sounded to me like all love was suffering for you for the longest time. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, but I always feel um, I would never change anything about my life. And it's quite interesting now being where I am, where I can outright say the eating disorder is the best thing that ever happened to me. And <laughs> it really is. I know that that sounds, if I'm doing something through media or talking, that is the first thing I will mention um, from wow, that. You're like, you're like society are like, we need more motivation. We need more happiness. We need more positivity. Well, how do you learn what it is without the opposite? And you can't change it. It's like, that's gratitude. People say gratitude, like I'm grateful for the air and the trees and the leaves. And the, I mean, that's really cool, that stuff. Like, don't get me wrong, we need it. But you've got like, you understand gratitude. Yes, and it was exactly that, Trent. You know, at the time I would complain and being in that space then, I was not the same girl here today. Yes, I had the same values and intensity, but I was in a low place. I, by that point, um, the low moods had hit. I was suffering malnutrition. I couldn't see any sunny place. But had I not taken myself to that level to realize that I didn't like this, and it's exactly what you're saying with anger. When you hit a place of frustration or discomfort, you've got two different roads down. You run with that and you become that person or it actively makes you change. So for some reason, I really pushed it as far as I could, look death in the eye and just realize that this is no place to go. And it took me to the different direction. So it was the two different spectrums of sitting one place to also go another place, which I believe is possible for everyone. And as I said, eating disorders are intense. It's a deep way of living. So I was always gonna be a deep person. It was about directing that um, drive into another place and seeing life through a whole other window. Well, I think one thing, the first thing we ask uh, when I'm talking to people about emotions and they pinpoint anger or frustration, they're pretty common. First question I ask is, what are the benefits? That's the first question I ask. And they're like, there is no benefits. I'm like, yeah, there is. Yeah. <laughs> um, like, My life sucks. And I'm like, well, if you didn't care about that, then well, you'd be happy with it, wouldn't you? So there's some simplistic question asking because questions are the answers. So what I see is finally you had enough pain. Yes, 100%. Yeah, but really had to push it. And that's similar with eating disorders. You really push the boundary. It's, you know, you don't just get up and go, oh, I might not eat today. It's something that you've really got to commit to. So by taking it as far as you could, you then realize that, oh, there is some direction in me. There is something good, but I've got to take that to one place to turn that around and go the other way. Um, and knowing that that was actually internally in you all the, all the time. So, and I believe everybody is capable of doing that. Oh, 100%. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, I, what we teach is, and you might resonate with this, is that people are not actually lowest. They just hit a glass ceiling consistently. So if we can apply, if we can apply conditioning elements and tools where they extend their glass ceiling, no big deal, right? 
Yeah, and that's exactly that, Trent. I know that I said I said that with quite ease there, but getting to that point of recovery, which was harder than itself than the eating disorder, I can tell you that outright, that recovery was a bigger journey than the eating disorder itself. It was finding those tools and finding people who um, similarly were going to just give you the right things at the right time and giving things a shot. I know I had no flexibility in my life. I was very black and white thinking at this stage. But when you do hit that point of wanting to change, you realize that you've got to let your guards down. You've got to step out and try. So from being so rigid and so controlled, it must have definitely been that awful place to go, look, I'm going to have to give something a shot. And it isn't always um, comfortable, but that's what I believe. It's that, un um, that when you're sitting with that discomfort, that you actively make those changes. So that's where some doors for me there. Yeah, I really love that. Um, when I first started, because I, I had the breakdown to breakthrough as well. That was in 2016. I thought having an affair on my wife and destroying a couple of families was a really great idea. And I've talked about that openly. Um, uh, but it being so rigid, I re resonate, resonate with that. Plus also too, I spent eight years running some of the hardest extreme events, pushing my body to, I practiced sleep deprivation for two years to stay awake for three and four days at a time during these events. And, and we do all these push to the limits and that's how I'd measure myself against other people, the ego, the arrogance, those rigid elements. There was no spirituality at all. I didn't, I thought stretching was for chicks. Um, like we, we were really that Marine hoorah, like that really, um, uh, that strong is the only way, not understanding vulnerability. Um, I, I love this conversation. I could talk, there's about <laughs> hours of conversation through every topic here we've written. And I love that you, like seeing you now, like your creativity, how you present yourself, you understand vulnerability, you understand specific, and you, 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 you own your story. And where I'm going with this next bit is I love Brene Brown. Have you ever, do you connect with her stuff that much? I do. I'm not too familiar. I haven't gone down the rabbit hole yet, which I'm hoping to, but every so often I see something and really relate and I see it as that strength. I know that through my own struggles, my core values are empathy, vulnerability, having the conversation, being there for others that I similarly relate to in her path that is actually a strength in itself. Um, I know that society has always kind of seen that as um, I guess that soft kind of weaker thing, but I believe in yin and yang. I believe that you've got your yin, you've got your yang, and you integrate that to be holy. And that's where you do see the soft side as your actual strength. If you can still step up and have those values to face things, I see that as an actual strength in itself rather than what society might see as that weaker cause. However, I believe that we're making big steps in that place to see that that essentially this is all what we want it's that connection and um being open and being on those real journeys so more and more is coming out and i thank Brene for bringing that to the table um which i really enjoy now even these conversations that at the end of the day this is kind of what you want to be hearing if your life is a little bit deeper yep well she courage over comfort the first time i heard her um the first time I heard her talk about um, owning your story, I, I was in my car and I, um, I pre-growth, I call it, so PG, pre-growth, it was 2017, and the person who I'd met who changed my life 
at that stage sent me this said start with this and I'm watching the story it was 20 minute TED talk and I'm crying and I'm like what did you send me <laughs> and I get out of my car to go and lift weights and, and face people and sent that and just opened up it basically opened up my heart to another um another opportunity and uh it and like I love that you talk around gratitude for eating disorders because when we we don't go into it, but we talk to people around the emotions associated with food. And I go, there's 1,600 plus emotions listed in the dictionary. How many emotions do you think are listed to eating? Mm. And so I draw this big wobbly circle and go, that's an emotion, all right? It's happy. Do you eat when you're happy? And they're like, yep. I go, there's the next circle, sad. Do you eat when you're sad? And they're like, yep. And the girls, I'm like, do you eat when it's all these emotions attached to your menstrual cycle? And they're like, Yep. So we look at it from a simplistic point of view that if we can uncover the key emotion that we're pushing down, then ultimately you get to evolve. And it's not about being evolved. You get to evolve and make better decisions, more aligned with core fundamental values and things like that. Like, is that a simplistic way of, obviously there's all this other stuff attached to eating disorders and I'm not trying to simplify it. And yeah, cause it's not my space. Is that a simplistic way of sort of helping people realise that it could be that easy to move forward? Um, yeah, absolutely, Trent. In that regards, it's identifying. I know with eating disorders, the whole body-mind connect is gone out the window. And this is where you are all head and you're not body and you're trying to navigate why is it that I'm eating and then these emotions that are involved that I know through my own recovery, yoga was my fundamental tool and I keep that daily practice now because I had the biggest disconnect I knew nothing about my body and that was essentially a journey of trying to navigate this food path of bringing the two together so I was using my mind to basically understand my body where it needed to be connected and it wasn't so much about um, I guess trying to sit there and analyze and um, try to work through that it was getting in touch with myself and I remember everybody kept mentioning yoga to me and I was somebody that struggled madly with exercise addiction. So when somebody even had this idea, I remember I used to box yoga as exercise thinking, oh, I've got to go to a yoga class. Like, here we go, some exercise. And I remember the first time I went and it was painful. It was really uncomfortable. I had to sit there for a moment. I remember packing up my mat and leaving thinking, if I'm going to be going to exercise, I may as well go do a 10K run. This is rubbish. But it was the first foot in the door. I didn't go back for a while, had to navigate a style that worked for me. But knowing that was that first tool set that essentially, um, back to your question there, um, really led me to um, develop that mind-body connection that I'd come back to say that now, and this, this rolls with ease off my tongue of saying, I eat when I'm hungry, but it was the biggest emotional journey to get there of just having no connection to my body. I didn't know up from down. I didn't know hungry from not. I'm just integrating it all back together. Like this, I've been doing, I'm very I'm very auditory in the way I learn stuff. So I'm looking away and leaning in, it's because I'm really trying to um, grasp everything you're saying. So I've done so much listening around uh, Ayurvedic medicine and, and the sister, obviously the sister practice to yoga and things like that, where they talk about eating when you're hungry, the three pillars of, of, of is, uh, sleep, digestion and female, which is menstrual cycle, which we tap on a little bit. Um, 
and it's something that uh, and also too like uh i love the way that they used to diagnose stuff from seeing the illness and what they observe and that sort of stuff so what what yoga has done for me i just got back from yoga retreat last week um with lauren and i went with 16 or 16 women and me and i'm rigid let's do activities and it was like two practices a day and meditation and that's it and i'm like Mm. so I really had to sit with thought and sit with mm. and really focus on practice and uh, I didn't I, I got it though I got it I got it like um, I feel so much better um, and so more at, much more at peace and I think potentially I needed to do that even to receive what you're delivering as well and to be able to connect with you so it's all divine timing so I'm a believer in yoga. Um, I'm going this evening. I, I prefer to do it at night so I can sleep better, mm -hmm. um, that sort of stuff. So I really appreciate what you're giving here. And I hope that everyone listening to this gets that the way that the order works is psychology, physiology, and sociology. So you've got mind, body, and then um, and what's outside your body, but also, too, what's happening is you can analyse the shit out of everything. Eventually, you've got to shift it from your physiology yes and, yeah and mindset tools are a part of the practice they're not the this is not a hammer and nail approach this is not a hammer and nail approach there's many things you can do and it's like your own fingerprint what works for you will work with you work for you what do you think about the stuff that i just said absolutely Trent. and that's the thing the mind has no end it can continuously take you down a train you can loop on something it will bring something new in the mind doesn't end and this is similarly, I know when I got on path, why yoga was a fundamental tool for me. And you can find this in other um, Eastern activities as well. It might be Tai Chi, it might be Qigong. I know a yoga worked for me, but yoga has no end. Mm -hmm. So if you think about this, you know, you only have to log on to Instagram and seeing people doing some pretty intense poses there going, how do you get there? How did they do that? And similarly, it's that practice. So you don't go to a yoga class and go, oh, I've completed yoga. It's something that you work on daily. That's why it is called, called a practice. You get on there and much like you said at the retreat, you go on a journey. Every day is different. You meet yourself there. And it's through that yoga that I know for me with the eating disorder, I would keep trying to push it, but I would get to an end result. And it wasn't satisfying for me. It was the path of a yogi to work on yourself every day to get to know yourself a little bit better, which what I thought I was trying to navigate through the eating disorder. And it's that yoga that brought that challenge there. So I really relate um, instead of going exactly what you're saying with the analyzing of the mind, look, you can try and do it that way. And working with the combination of all of them um, really is a, yeah, that's, that's the way forward there. But if you're just working purely on analyzing things, you'll think a different thought every day um, and you won't get, to that place that um, you think you're going to find resolve personally. Well, yeah, I mean, um, I, I as we were creating this framework, we got asked three, four years ago. So we, I've got 25,000 hours of case study experience across multiple modalities. And I, I don't say that to impress or boast. It's just, that's just what I've done. Um, we built multiple businesses very successfully, not to the level I would, it, it's going astronomical now, but, um, I got asked to rewrite the framework around life coaching for three and a half years ago. And we've just done it in the last 18 months and speaking to an EP and a couple of scientists, they're like, do you realize what you've done? And I've gone, no, they've gone, you, you, you're actually aligning your framework with a framework that psychology, psychiatry and that do not know how to use, but it's 
kind of the way mo moving forward and it's biopsychosocial. Um, I think what's happening with uh, today's practices, even from life coaching and things like that, we're still learning from um, manuals from the 50s, 60s and 70s and we're still learning from the majority and things like that. Like how, how, do, you, how do your methods and how you teach differentiate from what's out there as an example or what's your point of difference in relation to helping people evolve daily from eating disorders i think it is generally having that connection and i know um i did the conventional treatment um and having a background my dad is a doctor my mum's a nurse and we went down that path for a very long time and yes it saved my life there is no doubt about that but it was having to do that inner work that that came from my own happenings. And everybody is different just because one way has worked for me might not be for somebody else, but essentially it was developing that daily practice of yoga of just showing up yourself. And um, I guess having, having something that, that was gonna keep me evolving um, really worked. And I was skeptical and this is what I love about yoga was because I couldn't analyze it. And I remember thinking going, oh, yes, I've got this figured out. Yoga, yes, makes you feel good. But every day things got, um, started unfolding and that's part of the recovery process. So even over recovery, I like to call it discovery. Every day things were happening and opening up. So I guess where I kind of stepped in from an unconventional way um, and how I work with people now is by having that in place. And it was less of the, I guess, following a structure because you started to open up something that was just so naturally and internally, um, you know, your natural state that would come through yoga that I was able to make my own choices in food. I was able to know from myself rather than following something that, yes, that is great to follow things at first, but taking them away gradually and developing that trust in myself. So where I'm at now with the nutrition and the yoga and putting it all pass and parcel, it's by looking at things at a bit different perspective. It was, I was very black and white and my treatment was very black and white. But what I learned through the discovery, as I said, that I was a very colorful person. I was very creative. I was very eccentric out there. And it was knowing that I had that trust coming out there. So I was looking at food in a different way rather than looking at it as a calorie this is how much energy I need. It was, what can food do for me? So I really flipped my life around and my whole, as I said, my whole life changed. Just, I do feel very blessed from the journey I am on. Um, I know that I can go outside and really appreciate a sunny day or look at things that way from not having that before. But th that's also my take with recovery as well is flipping that switch and looking at it in a different way. As I said, food is essentially your medicine. Food is also there to be enjoyed. And what actually works where I think you get that freedom and working with my clients as well, it's when you stop thinking about it so much and you kind of just act and that's all your inner work. And it's nothing I do with clients. It's something that they do for themselves. You can sit here and share your story. And essentially, I think a lot of the time, the proof is in the pudding um, that your life starts to unfold that way. So essentially that's a little bit different from mainstream but it's also, I think, something that's naturally born in us and it's going back to those roots, sir. Uh, I was talking to a lady at Christmas 
And she's telling me she's doing a PhD. I said, oh, okay, what are you doing on? She goes, well, we're studying the benefits of lived experience for psychologists when they work with clients. And I just went, so you need to find evidence around lived experiences and really helping your clients. I, it kind of blew my mind that they needed to, I see it as common sense, but I guess you and I have a different level of awareness, but ultimately I know that I have to work harder on myself every single day. I think that is within you. You work harder on yourself than anyone else every single day. Um, and I really hope that people hear some gold in that last little thing, uh, less structure, structure and routine discipline. Discipline is really awesome, but less structure, acceptance, trust, shifting perception. Um, I hear this, you follow the basic formula, which is how do you want to be in that moment? What do I need to do? Then what can I have? Which is something we're teaching a lot of our stuff to go through as well. So I hear a lot of be, do, have. Um, recovery, recovery is discovery. Like um, we talk about the gifts of the trauma, the opportunity in the trauma. Um, did you, like with your, um, have you looked into your family history and things? I'm a big I love reading about uh, generational trauma and things like that. Was there any expression of maybe grandfather, grandmother, uncle, auntie, anything like that? Was there anything potentially passed down to you you're aware of or am I just shooting at a whole different <laughs> field? No, no, not at all, Trent. I am hugely, I go very deep. So I, and I wouldn't have had I not been on this path here. So I believe very much in that soul journey that I believe I came here and my path was very set out on me. So yes, there are definitely genetic factors that I could link to something. Um, but ultimately, um, I still believe that what has happened to me was what I was meant to experience to keep evolving in this lifetime. So I do go very deep, um, but that is essentially something that's worked. But if I do look at the other factors in life there, um, you know, there could be a link from my grandparents there and also what I was exposed to I was expired um, exposed to a huge diet culture so growing up it was weight watches it was these ideas of what we thought health were in our 90s can I ask, you know, can I ask your age because you look really young <laughs> this is great I always um <laughs> I'd like to always play the guessing game but it is my um 33rd birthday next yeah. week yeah so, awesome. well yeah <laughs> what date is your birthday I'm the 14th of May, so. I'm the 9th of May. I'm the 9th of May, so, yeah. Well, this makes sense, Trent. It's like that tourist mentality, isn't it? So. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, I think, yeah, oh, gee, when you said Weight Watchers and things like that, I'm like, my mother and father. Um, my mother, up until 2017, was about 60 kilos overweight, so she was a really big lady, and it was a lot of not owning story. It was all emotional stuff, mm. and um, my recovery discovery I guess you would say I had an opportunity to ring her and basically go I got it wrong with you mum and then move my tools are allowed have used her to collapse anxiety and not collapse but dissolve it and move forward and things like that she's now 60 kilos lighter which is yay and but she did it through surgery she's maintained it which is phenomenal I'm so happy she's 71 she's my biggest fan probably my only fan which is awesome um, she's also a pain in my thigh um, so but my I observed Weight Watchers I observed um What's the other one the Spice Girl represents? Um, Jenny Craig. Yes. And it was all repeat business. It was like, uh, it was yo-yoing. And I'm like, mm -hmm. why are you spending all this money on people on this shit that doesn't work? Uh, obviously, yes. it works for some, but <laughs> it's, you're right. I, I observed that as well. Yeah, and it's huge, Trent. And this is, 
if we go back to when I was age seven, the comment I received to this day was, is your best friend Jenny Craig? So this was, I very much um, believe it was hugely to my path of um, looking at these, you know, what society thought health was. We didn't know any better. And I know the Instagram culture gets a slam. I know a lot of health activists get a lot of um, slam as well by everybody having their thoughts and takes. But how much have we evolved since the time that we all thought we had to fit into a box? Nobody was happy. happy. Yes, they might've got that instant gratification of the results, but it was yo-yoing trend. And nobody ever kind of kept it off. We would see the success story then we'd never hear from them again because there was a lot of guilt and shame that, you know, it hadn't remained. It was that, um, you know, we peaked, we reached one place, but then it went the other way. We didn't learn about balance. So we've come a long way now that even being on here today, we're learning a lot. We know that, yes, you know, you might do what goes up will come down. So, you know, I, I don't believe in quick fixes. I don't believe in that. It is a journey and it's that longevity. And that's what recovery was for me. I know my, I had four very dark years in my recovery process. So the first part of my twenties was um, full-blown eating disorder. Last part was a really, I like to call that journey of the, um, of the dark soul, where it was that really sitting with yourself to try and find the balance, but it wasn't a quick fix, but to where I am now, it's that really nice, stable balance that we haven't always seen as a cultural society with what we knew about health at the time. So we've come a long way. And congratulations to your mum too. That is huge. So yeah, well, they both went and got um, not sure which surgery it was, but um, I can't even think of the name right now. Once again, another empowered woman making me lose my words, which is kind of cool. <laughs> uh, anyway, they had a lap band, a lap, whatever they call it. Um, but my they lost 105 kilos between them. Um, and you talked about a high functioning eating my dad's basically I love him I'm so loyal to him he's my stepdad he's been there he give me unconditional love he's proud of me all that but if you look he, he's a high functioning loves to drink every single day and and he's not eating the way he just eats smaller amounts but ultimately the underlying issues are still there yes. and he's not ready to move beyond that and that's okay and I love my dad and um, um, and I support him and I, I also challenge him as well but I think um, where my mum has really improved is she's just, she doesn't want to go back. She, she, she's had enough of that, mm. of the, just feeling like shit. She actually said to me last year, she goes, she calls me mate. She said, mate, I've, I've never been happier. And I'm like, yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. Um, the next question I've got. Now, I imagine you had, you talk about balance, you talk about rigid, you talk about a doctor and a nurse. Now, I hear a heavily supported childhood. Am I correct in saying so? From your mum and dad, they were amazing. I have absolutely amazing parents, um, but, um, not but, I do, I have amazing parents. Um, we've all been on a journey and that is life. I was a very, and much to the person that I was, I was a very um, independent child. I went to boarding school. My parents were very hard workers, so they were at work a lot. Um, so I developed this very internal relationship and my parents, bless them, my mum is my best friend. I'm her biggest fan, she's my biggest fan. And we really worked on that through recovery. But it was that experience where, um, again, I don't believe there were any, you know, factors. I believe I took the path I was meant to take where I really had that solo kind of journey. And um, I am my mother's daughter. 
I followed very much in her footsteps of um, being out there. She is a hard worker, the hardest worker I know. She gave us the foundations for support, finance, and just displays empathy and everything like you could not understand. So although it was um, difficult, but this was a path I was meant to take. Um, I did spend a lot of time alone to essentially get there. My relationship with my parents now and... Um, this is my stepdad I speak of, um, is a place of no other. I'm a mum myself. I've got a five-year-old daughter. Wow. And we are, yeah, we all work in a team dynamic. So, um, and that's how I always imagine. We're like one big community because we have that great relationship that we do now. doesn't matter if you're in your 30s or what's happening there. It's reaching out and still keeping those core values as a family that we really did work hard on through um, the journey called life. So... I got a, uh, we have so much synchronicity. I'm a little bit older than you, but I won't say my age. Um, but um, it's I don't feel my age, which is 42 on Sunday. Um, but I re re resonate so heavily. Like um, me and my mum had to work on our relationship. Like we were so estranged. I was so rigid and angry. I would mm. call it also. I'm not a. I'm not a proud of some of the things I've done. However, it shaped it. So ultimately, I've, I've been so terrible to my mother. Um, I've said some very nasty things outwardly to her face and in my head. Um, so we've really had to go deep with our communication to the point where I think I'm the only one that effectively communicates with her because she's grown and other family members haven't and they still hold this story about who she was and it took her the longest time to own her story and what she's been through. So I accept that I'm exactly as crazy as my mother, but also to them, I have her work ethic as well. So I want to thank you for sharing that. Um, and she sounds like an amazing woman. No, she definitely is. But thank you for sharing too, Trent. And um, I have a lot to say about that too with, you know, it's quite funny because everybody does the whole, oh, families, you know, and it's, you know, I mean, you only have to bring up Christmas to everybody and every single person is stressed about Christmas Day. Just nobody's having the conversation. Um, but it goes with family healing as well. Um, it takes two people to step back and go, look, there is, as um, you were saying, Trent, with the eating disorder, it's not what you see on Instagram. They are horrible. There is screaming. There is, you're bringing out your anger. It's the, they are, you know, you're pretty much like taken over by a demon when you're in the scheme of things. But when you're going through recovery, it took two people. So um, I would have said the most horrible things to my mom, but she was just there. She would cop a lot from me. And similarly, I knew that she was having a horrible time with me. But I had to do the work instead of being angry and, um, you know, I guess missing out on things that I thought were meant to be the way in a childhood or something, but sitting back and going, we're just doing the best that we're doing. And it took two to tango. And I believe that in family dynamics, that it involves everybody to step back, strip away, look at yourself. And if you can come back and resolve and go, look, I'm sorry if that's upset you and look from the other perspective you can really start to heal some family relationships there. And I didn't speak to my family for years in the midst of things. I, you know, I was off doing my thing um, and then coming back and it is just next level. Like you could not, I guess, imagine the relationship we are now, but that took work from everyone involved. <laughs> it's like I'm staring into a mirror. Um, I spent seven to 10 years or seven years in Melbourne, um, married, divorced, um, business, helping people, serving people, learning, growing, all that other stuff. Um, and I just, I just, 
I used to condemn the absolute crap out of them, but I didn't understand just how simplistic and how this, the, the, their core values and their, what they valued and all the voids that I perceived I had, which are now values. We've gone on this big trajectory where I've gone away and now I'm the first person that events, yeah. um, which is, it's like the other, my mum's a bit of a hoarder and um, I'll bet her she is a hoarder. And where they live with our businesses out West, they're going through a bit of mouse plague. So me and my sister went out and dumped 50 years of shit. And also too, we were picking, we were getting rid of dead mice and, not even a really nice house, but it was just shit everywhere. She didn't know where to start. She was overwhelmed. And what we've been able to do is give back to her where she's now free and she's light and she's starting to unpack other levels. So um, near my, my baby sister, uh, who I also love very much, she's um, we've been able to show up in different ways um, because we've all had great levels of success, which is by the sounds of your family. Is there any other siblings to you? Like, have you got any other siblings? Yes, I've got one. Um brother, full brother. I know families can get very full and I've got different stepbrothers um, in the mix there too and stepsisters, but I have one full brother as well um, who, yeah, it's an amazing guy. Also, I think, well, we definitely have the same blood who is definitely um, very, you know, hard worker and um, kind of goes out there. We've got those big personalities. So yeah, he's a great guy as well. And we also had to heal along the way because quite interesting when one sibling is going through something and a lot of the focus is on something because there were a lot of life death situations that he may have not got the um, childhood that he dreamed of as well so again it's all coming back and exactly what you just said with your mom that's what families are like I think that's that's what life should be like as humans it's you're not just there for the glamorous times you're there in the dark times because that's life. It's a journey, yin and yang. Do you know what I mean? You go down, you go up, you go down. And we're always looking for that equilibrium, but you got to meet people in their dark times to appreciate them at the best times. And that's family. And it's just showing up. So yeah, it's just stepping back and getting to that place where you realize that this is life. No one promised us that this was meant to be a vacation or living the high life. Yes, we can enjoy those times, but often they come from being in those dark times. And if you can do it together, you can also have a good laugh to realise that this is living. Absolutely. Um, I, I love that. Uh, yeah, I mean, a, appreciation, like the level of appreciation that I see you have for your life and obviously uh, your daughter um, and your just family in general, which is which is really cool. And obviously um, um, you have worked your ass off to get there. We try to – it's also – I think you've taken effective action because there's a lot of people doing that are busy doing nothing where you've taken by the sense of you've taken a lot of really effective action daily. So I want to acknowledge and congratulate you on the action you do take daily. What's next for you? Like, where are we going? What's, what's happening in business? What's uh, like, what's happening in, in your world as far as what's next for Lexi and her business and, and Yeah. Oh, firstly, thank you. I always feel, and it's quite interesting. It's, um, do the work, show up. And that's essentially my practice in the morning. And then many doors open. And I wouldn't have lived like that before, Trent. I would have been, where's the schedule? Where's the program? But doors just keep opening all the time. And I love this because there is honestly never a dull moment in my life. I mean, yes, I always get my challenges and that goes beyond the eating disorder. You know, it's not like you go through something and life is great. There is the next intense challenge but you're handling it in a different way because you've got through something as well. So that keeps you evolving. But at the moment, I opened up a clinic not too long ago. So 
in February's. Um, I opened the doors in New Farm in Brisbane. Beautiful. So um, yeah, it is lovely there. So I've got my rooms there where essentially I'm um, doing my um, clinical nutrition and working with eating disorders. It's a beautiful little space um, in that regards. So we've got that business there and there's never a dull opportunity that doesn't come up in that line there. Even speaking with you today is another fantastic one. Um, but all, also like to keep that balance as well that, yes, you know, we've got a lot of things going on. We've got work, we've got family. I um, am a DJ, so I work with music as well. That is my creativity. That's my element of my switch off as well. And um, working with that at the moment too brings me so much joy. But where we're headed next is it's that nice place of just settling into clinic. I feel like that was a really big place to get after graduating uni last year. And um, just going with that, it's really nice to be in the front of the action and working with people. I love that. I love the fact that you still have the courage to actually go and educate and reinvent yourself. At, I mean, at the tender young age of 20, what, what, what year did you, what, how old were you when you started uni? I, this was, and everything with me in life is a journey, Trent. I'm one of those people that I, yeah, I did learn that um, just getting to a point uh, wasn't for me right away. I started uni when I was, 24 so back in 2012 and graduated in thanks COVID uh last year in November so that was huge but it was because I was also doing things in between study was just I like to see it as a part of my life not my whole life and I do that with everything so that's why I've always got my music I've got my different elements so um, I was living over in India a lot while I was studying and um I had my daughter during that time and it all just worked out to just go for me naturally that way in the journey process, which that works for me, for others it might not, but it just kind of wrapped up really nicely there to still be living in a way rather than um, coming outside of it. How is, um, we talked a little bit with Lauren, uh, I refer to her, she talked a lot, a little bit about her personal, um, she just sort of moved, she had uh, some DV go on and things like that. And then she was reluctant to bring someone into her um, child's life. And we talked a little bit about the masculine and feminine and things like that. Um, are you in a relationship now, if you don't mind me asking? No, I'm so open about this. I'm not actually in a relationship. I um, co-parent with my daughter. Yeah, and um, it is actually a lovely place to be. Relationships would definitely be, um, I've come a long way in them, but that was the next piece of the puzzle that I really had to navigate. So as I said, just because you get through something, you've got your next chapter as well. But it has been in the last year of just really finding that lovely place, um, you know, and I believe of putting yourself in the situation. I believe you've got to go through the things to feel them, to know what you don't want, exactly what we're going through, the eating disorder. So I'm learning a lot because I know at the end of the day, ultimately, I'm looking for the deep soulmate relationship so I'm having to, I guess, have a look at what's been working um, and what hasn't and just basically um, have a really great place with myself. I really feel blessed that, you know, I can be by myself. I've got my daughter. I've got just this life that I, at the end of the day, I am generally happy to sit down by myself and do the things. And that's how I always expected life. Eventually someone will come along where someone compliments your life rather than is your life. So I'm on that journey now and it's um it's a nice place to be. Some big gold there. Um well I had a tendency, a big vision, hard work, all that sort of stuff, where I I met uh, the person that changed my life, Jess, who I ended the relationship in uh, December because it just wasn't serving her. I could have gone on like that forever and 
that ultimately they started to create codependency. Um, just uh, and what I really truly uh, discovered was very much I, I was relationships are an amplifier and I had to go a little bit deeper in that space and once I let go of that and actually did something the most probably one of the most selfless things I've ever done I had four years of not seeing my children because we just had the most heated divorce and I used that time to grow and, and create legacy and that sort of stuff so I now have my children back and she's my friend and I my, my the mother of my children I call my ex the mother of my children Belinda she's my friend um, she generally cares for my results we generally have this pretty cool connection where she can ask if she needs something. Uh, I openly admit that she's a great protector of my girls and that's all I wanted. I openly say that she's a, she's a more present parent than me, so they're in the right place. Um, and I really had to drop the ego, the arrogance, and basically understand specifically what their needs were through how, what she was trying to communicate with me. So to accept and surrender to that, that has taken me a very long time to actually achieve. And it's probably my most, the best achievement I've ever gone through is to create a co-parenting relationship uh, with Belinda. And it's something that we, um, it's not perfect, <laughs> but we actually laugh. We actually have laughter in our communication and our relationship. And, and I keep that very private to me. So I, I, want to acknowledge what it takes to get to that space because I I didn't know if I could get there. Oh, and I 100% um, respect your journey. It's um I similarly am on my own journey as well um, in the midst of things, but I believe that time is um, a great thing. And that's it. We evolve as people every day. So it's about meeting the person when we've done the work as well. I, I, have to, I really hope you guys are getting the gold here. <laughs> <laughs> there's a lot of there's a that's one thing we um find with uh, with our coaching qualification is when we run our three-day course it's not so much specifically about the latest and greatest science it's about the cueing it's about do you want they teach body language as a major part of what we're doing tonality i think is way more important when you're actually working with someone especially with our zoom culture um so if you uh, so we we go heavily into those cues and the gold and the success and do you hear what's being pulled apart there and do you see where you can guide that intuitively you're a phenomenal coach like i'm I'm running into some phenomenal coaches and accountability people. So my next question is, who do you have keeping you accountable apart from yourself? Uh, this is excellent. So I met my mentor when I hit that point and I believe your doors always open when they are. And that was straight off the back of when I got sick and tired of being sick and tired, doors started to open. And I was not on the spiritual path at that point. That was my first kind of indicator. And I became, um, acquainted with my mentor. It was quite interesting because how I met him would have been in the most roundabout way. So essentially it was a man that we'd heard of um, that just worked with drug and alcohol addiction. And I'd never been drawn to these vices before, but we heard that we've got to meet this man. And I was also at this point where um, it was again <laughs> at the, all right, let's just try anything. And I remember going along and meeting a man, his name is Yoss Sawyer to this point, um, or is his name, and went along. And for the first time, I just clicked with somebody. It was somebody saw me beyond an illness. So I'd been very much placed in conventional medicine where it was I've spoken about and I was spoken as an illness, but it wasn't me. And it was the first time I met this man and he just 
could see beyond it. And essentially, he is to this day the most fundamental and important person in my life. We check in every month or, you know, it's become that teacher relationship now. So he's put me on my um, yoga path and it's um, got onto my spiritual journey there. So became my mentor and teacher in that regards. And it is the best bond that I've ever had of that really deep living. So I would never go without um, in that regards where I'm always getting my top up as well. So yeah, phenomenal, phenomenal person to have in my life. And I consider myself very lucky, but believe everybody has to have that person just to check in. It's nobody's perfect. And we're here just to walk each other home. Yeah. Um, I, um, I'm a feedback junkie. So, and what I mean by that is like, whether it's self-talk here, whether it's what the body's telling, we're heavily involved. We have a psychosomatics and metaphysics course that we rewrote. We, re we I created a, a, my, my genius is programming. So I can create programming. It just, people go, how do you get this? And I'm like, well, I look, think about the movie Goodwill Hunting and Matt Damon says, well, I look at a piano and I see wood and timber and whatever else and string where he goes, when I see this stuff, I can just play. Um, and that's how I feel about programming in the mindset space um, and making it flow and, re and referring it back to frameworks and success formulas and things like that. But also too, I'm not in the, I'm, I don't want to help everyone as well because mm. like, you can't. No, no. So I want to be, before we sort of wrap it up, I want, have you got any really great case studies or really great stories of recovery other than your own that you can share about and sort of who we can acknowledge as well? I think it's important potentially that you do share some of the, or one or some of the stories that of, of gold, if you can, in relation to who, who you've helped. Would that be okay? Yeah, absolutely, Trent. And I think that is the joy. And when you've said that you can't help everybody, I 100% believe in that because not everybody is on the same path. Not everybody is going to be interested in these things. Not everybody wants help. So it's much that, you know, even in life, you know, you've got your friends with you click with, you've got your people that are going to resonate with how you work. And it's, you know, your vibe attracts your vibe, definitely in that regard. So it's, you help who you can. And in my time, I have had some clients come through where, again, it's not me. I'm just sharing some things that have worked. I'm providing some tools, but my clients have followed up and I've seen, oh, I must have three that have really excelled and um, taken the yoga path themselves. And it is very interesting, I think, um, when you are in your 20s that uh, these girls were, that it is a different way of going, I really had to commit to this. Um, you know, it's a big activity, but knowing that they've shown up and I've, I've loved watching their journeys, watching them evolve and um, going on to do some really creative things and just essentially feeling better. It's given them that, um, that space again, where they were essentially searching for that feeling that yoga has now given them beyond the eating disorder that is now actually working for them. So it's actually been a joy to see some people actually flourish in that day. And they are heroes to me. Like I acknowledge them and it's having that mutual relationship that we're all here. It's just because I'm a few steps forward than somebody else in a journey. And that's life as it is. You know, we're all skilled in different areas, but we've all got our deficiencies as well. So when I see people kind of flourish, it's, you know, it's meeting people. No one's got a hierarchy and it's just been an absolute joy to watch them succeed. I love that. Um, loving people where they're at. That's something we teach that no matter, it's just different levels. Yes. Yeah. Woo, wow. 
<laughs> I'm going to get you back on at some stage uh, whenever we can. You can fit us in. Um, I think that's uh, so great. I, and before I wrap it up, the one thing I've been going through. I don't know if you know of um, Alison A. Armstrong. She does a lot of. She's she's been around since the '90s, and she talks about teaching men how to be men and women how to be women. And I and I I seem to find myself in circles of empowered women to learn how to transition to learn how to go through chaos and come out the other side and be certain and lead and things like that. So I, I'm so grateful that we attracted you into the presence and into my presence. And um, I spent the last week and a half just connecting with such empowered women in the yoga circles and things like that. So uh, this is a, this is a highlight for me. So I want to thank you very much for uh, what you've brung today what you've brought today and I do hope that you'll come back on and have another conversation we can go deeper around so many topics no and I feel exactly the same Trent thanks for sharing too I love these organic conversations where you can just open up go really deep and it's been an absolute pleasure hearing um, about your stuff and also all that you do massive congratulations it's you know it isn't easy to manage this it's great having the chats but also behind the scenes so much work takes place so congratulations for bringing it to life and oh, thank, you, thank you very much. Um, I know even from our, our food business that we're building and things like that, I'm going to need to get some clinical nutrition because we're talking about seasonal produce, which we've got guaranteed lines now and um, how to create a, a, an affordable model to, because the part of the um, mindset on them is they do not eat well, um, mm. especially in, we do some stuff with the deaf and the NDIS space. So we've had a lot of case study experience around people where that, they're getting the psychology stuff, but their body's not responding because of um, what they're putting into it ultimately, the, the, the soft drinks and the, the processed foods and things like that. So um, that's kind of our next big um, plus reducing waste produce in this country is a big challenge as well. I know where I grew up in the Lockyer Valley, there's, I would hate to think how many tons of food get wasted every single week. So we're kind of on a bit of crusade in the, in the shelter space, the food space and the education space, but um, um, collaborating because it's such a creative brain. We need to collaborate. So um, definitely. Yeah. but anyway, team, so thank you very much for jumping on. Lacey. This was a great conversation. Um, I'm going to leave it at that. If you've got any questions at all of where Lexi is, tell us where they can find you. Give yourself a shameless plug, like your socials, where they can find, tell everyone where, where you're at. Well, I guess um, I like to share openly um, my journey on Instagram. So you get, you know, the nutrition aspect, you might get some music, but you also get a lot of real life happenings because I believe that that is seeing the person, you know, it is different with Instagram that, you know, you can portray in your way. So you might just get some kind of random story of going, oh, wow, that's a human activity there and someone's having fun. So my Instagram is Lexi.crouch. And um, I guess for the clinical side and the business part is I run my own website at www.lexicrouch.com um, where essentially is there and um, being a bit in the media space, there's always some articles that come out from Body and Soul or um, yep. Mamma Mia there that if you're after kind of a <laughs> little fun twist, um, working as a health writer there. So that's where you can find me. Awesome. Well, you know what, I'm... I'm uh, I'm I'm a big fan now. I might be number two fan behind uh, your mum. So uh, <laughs> make sure you say hello to mum when you're talking to from me. Definitely. <laughs> um, but anyway, team, thank you very much for tuning in. I want you guys to keep uh, keep an eye out. We've got our second firewalk event coming up in Jaloon. Yeah, Jaloon. <laughs> That's a great way to put that. Yeah. <laughs> That's a new month in July. We've also got um, uh, July 17. We've also got our new 
um, co-produced event with the amazing Kirk Ashley, July 10th and 11th called um, Evolution. We've, we're also about to launch our brand new three-day um, coaching and leadership event uh, coming up at the end of June on the Sunshine Coast. So we're going to put those in our show notes. We're going to put a big um, story piece about Lexi in our show notes. And I do hope you've enjoyed that. If there's any comments, share it, like it, do whatever you need to do, put it on your socials, it is much appreciated. So anyway, that's it. I'm Trent. I'll talk to you next time.